This is your community. What is it that you want to see and why? And let's organize ourselves and make it happen. Welcome to Arts Engines. I am your host, Aaron Dworkin. And with us as our guest today, we have Lisa Richards Tony, who recently became president and CEO of APAP, the Association of Performing Arts Professionals, just this past summer. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure to see you again. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm so excited to have you here. So, you know, I, you know, people can always read your bio and you've had just such extraordinary, you know, history and, and legacy in our field. But I was curious, kind of now taking the reins of the leading institution, you know, for all of the performing arts. And obviously we just cannot, you know, go without talking about the impact of, of COVID. Um, kind of what is your sense now kind of, you know, several months in of where is the field at? How are people feeling? How are people feeling about the future? And where, where do you think the one or two most important priorities are that people should be thinking about wherever they are in the performing arts spectrum? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I think that our field is struggling. I mean, we, we have to own that. I mean, this is not a field with a trajectory that is just so solid that it's unpermeable. There are so many um, mechanisms for doing business in this field that, that have worked quite well and people have done well. But the reality is that most of our population, they struggled along the way. They have had to constantly reinvent how they do business even under the best of circumstances. They have, I mean, inventiveness, I mean, we created the word. I mean, this field, we, you know, how many, how many ways have you invented yourself as a manager? How many ways have you invented yourself as an agent? How many ways have you looked at what's possible and had to kind of reestablish that? So that's the normal business, okay? So you add in a disaster, a health crisis, like COVID-19, where our field is upended and people can't do business, live events can't happen in the same way. And it's quite scary. With all of that said, what people can do now is, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing because it's like, as they say, building a plane while trying to fly it. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's hard. There's, there's no shortage of difficulty. But what's most important, I think, is that you think about all the things that you, could, that you can reinvent for yourself. What is the business model that you actually would like to be in? Who in the field of fields, I'm not just talking about the arts, but the field of fields, who would we most like to be like? Where do we share things? Is it in tourism? Is it in hospitality? What are some of the things that we can learn from other industries as we build forward? I didn't say necessarily build back, 
but build forward. Now, some things will have to come back and they will. I mean, they will, you know, eventually we'll have a, uh, you know, we'll have a vaccine and people will feel safe to get together and it will be okay to do that, but it's going to take some time. And so in the, in the meantime, as they say, in the liminal space, how we spend this time says a lot about where we will go. If we spend this time, you know, with, you know, upset and backbiting and just trying to hold on, it's like held on to what, it doesn't work like that. It's like, who moved my cheese? You know that book? <laughs> it said the cheese is gone. Right. <laughs> you better go find yourself some new cheese. Right. So, so you- we have to find a way to reinvent ourselves. I've watched, um, I saw someone had posted on social media once and I worked for Debbie Allen. And so I was really proud to see it, but she had her gala, which happens every year. And they had it like a drive-in theater, a drive-in movie theater, if you will. They had screens and the show was on the screen and everyone was in their own car watching the show. And of course they had the step and repeat wall with all the sponsors and you would pose in your car. It it was very Hollywood, you know, but it, The point of that is that, of course, we want to be seated together, but we cannot cannot get ahead of what we know is what we can't do. So we have to be creative. We have to be resourceful. We have a board. We have people. We have patrons, people who want to see us successful. So we have to come together, and that's where we get to APAP, and find a way to make this work in this interim period. And what is it that we can learn so that when we when we're clear again, how are we better? How are we better as an industry? And on that kind of front of the, the better, when, when you look at you know three years down the road, four years down the road, when hopefully we're well past vaccine and all of that, are there any shifts you know, kind of field-wide that you think are gonna stay, that there are certain fundamental things that really won't revert back? Obviously, we will be back. We'll have live performances again. You know, human beings will interact with other human beings making art again um, directly. But are there any things that you're already seeing that if you were to advise any of our viewers who are leading an organization or leading a management agency or just a practicing artist themselves um, who, who are trying to think about what the future looks like, are there any key things that you would say, you know, these are the types of things that, you know, really may make foundational shifts post COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, the access piece will, will never go away. And isn't that a great thing? There is, you know, there's the one dimensional screen, which artists hate, right? It's because it's not three dimensional. We're, we're the, the, the full body. We've got to be able to see and experience. But how wonderful is it that we now have access to communities and people that we would have never before? And how do you shift your business so that you can function in a hybrid way? Um, And that that benefits you. It benefits the people, but it also benefits you. Is it that you have more people, therefore your breadth of people you're serving is greater? Um, Are you able to lower your price point because the demand for your in-person may be different from what happens online? So that won't go away, and there's a huge opportunity for that. The other thing that I don't think will go away, or at least I hope it won't go away, is the intense reckoning that has happened in our field and across many 
that have to do with making sure that we are truly a safe space around race, equity, diversity, and inclusion. That is, I cannot lose sight of that. You know, it's like, oh, the moment, but you know how that goes. It's, it just slips away. I don't think that we will go back. We can't go back to that. We can't, you know, this is like, it's for one, the leveling has happened. People are now knowing what it means to be humble, what it means to be empathetic, to understand that, yes, you know, while this is struggling, a struggle for you, this entity over here has always struggled. They've always had the, the uncertainty, that liminal space of if they were going to make it or not. And now you know what that feels like. And so there's less judgment, but more embracing of people really trying to do good work. And so that piece, I really hope that we keep center of mind because we're talking about increasing access. Well, we're talking also about allowing spaces to be safe and welcoming and truly upholding certain values. So and we what, have to hold on to What do you say to, to those who are worried? What, what would you say to, to communities or constituencies of color who are worried that, okay, we're, you know, we're about to usher in a new administration. We're worried that so many people are going to say, racism is over. It's okay again. We've got, you know, there's been a shift politically and that the um, intense action that has been taking place surrounding race and DEI issues will begin to subside. Um, what would you say to those who are worried that there will be a, a, a decline in the interest, in the commitment, in the resources that seem to currently being brought to bear for issues relating to race and diversity? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, everything is up to the democracy, the people. You know, I think the, the difficulty that many people have experienced over the last several years, it was a, a rise that happened in people and they decided to actually do something about it. It's the, it's the one time in my lifetime, now, I, my, now there are lifetimes before me, but in my lifetime where I've seen all of a sudden, it's not the infamous they. Well, they didn't do this. Well, well, they, you know, it's a lot of that. You know, they and they. It's also, well, what can I do? And government, whether it's national government, local government, you know, I worked at the Arts Commission and tell our constituents all the time, this is your community. What is it that you want to see and why? And let's organize ourselves and make it happen. What needs to happen first, second, and third? And I think that call to action was refreshing in spite of it up against such very difficult realities. It was refreshing to see that we still have it in us and we can, we can pull and call upon it. And I think that it, you know, it, the good thing about it is that it's, it's let people know where things stand. You know, that work has, you know, it's been very difficult to, to watch uh, the killings of black men uh, and the lack of response. But what has happened is that there has been a response because there's not only one response and, that, and that's the point. There's not just the national response. There's a response from people. There's not just a government response. People are just as important 
And that's when I say that leveling. People say, oh, I actually have a voice and I can do something about it. And they have. And so, you know, people may worry. I mean, there's always an ebb and flow to things. It's just life. You know, you, you look around and you see it. You see that, you know, you see a time period and you see an intense focus and then you see it, 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 it gradually peel off. But, you know, it's up to leaders and, and also just everyday citizens to keep it active. If it matters to you, if you know that if you don't keep it alive, you know the consequences, consequences of that, then it's up to us to say it's important. Mm -hmm. And as a leader in this field, it's up to me to remind people that it's important. So, and unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but in this broad leadership role that you have, challenges must come up, things may get tough, you know, not every presenter and manager and other leader in our field is the easiest to deal with. Uh, and so when you are in those moments of challenge, where do you find inspiration? Um, what, what do you draw upon when, uh, when you know, you're looking for that, that inspiration to lead? That's a good question. I have many sources of inspiration. I would say, you know, I'm a people person and I keep certain people close to me. I have good mentors and I'm not shy about calling and speaking and talking things through. I think everyone needs a space for self-expression. And, and with me, to bounce off my ideas is really a cherished act. When, if I have someone that I can just talk to and say, this is what I'm thinking, and know that, you know, even when they say, that's an awful idea, Lisa. Okay, you know, there's no, oh, oh, that's a fantastic idea. You know, but the point is, is that we all need these safe spaces as leaders, as people. We need a friend, we need people to talk to. And leadership can be very lonely. So it's, it's not a space where you, you can just do that willy-nilly. But I do have my own set of mentors and friends that I find great opportunity to express myself. And I'm also a person of the written word. I process things through write, writing. So I know that if I can write out an idea, I spend time conceptualizing it that way. Once I've written about it well, then I said, okay. If I haven't written it out, not so much because it hasn't, I, I was an Englishman. I mean, it has to answer certain things, you know, it's, it's who, what, when, where, why, and where, what all, like, how are you going to pay for that idea? So you got to flush things out. So I like to do things. I like to talk about it. I like to get people's ideas. I'm a consensus builder. I'll ask people, what do you think? I will incorporate those things, but then I like to write it out. And when I write it out, I find the things that are strong. I find the things that have holes. And I just like to keep perfecting it almost it's like a, a report. Wow. Well, Lisa Richards, Tony, you truly are one of the great arts engines that is powering oh, human creativity in our field. Thank you so much. I do my best. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. We're all doing our best. And so are you, Aaron. Thank you for creating this space for us to come forward and express ourselves. I appreciate it.